We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We're tossing passing game matchups on Roto-Viz Radio. What's up, Roto-Viz? Rotoviz Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Dave Cabin, one of the owners at Rotoviz. Really pumped here to be going through the passing game matchup Raider tool another week on the show, identifying wide receivers and tight ends that should be able to go off this weekend. So far, the tool has done a pretty solid job of identifying players with matchups that look to be favorable or players with matchups that are unfavorable uh, as this is the first year that we've been using the tool. Uh, it's the first time, you know, we obviously I did some testing to make sure that it was doing a good job describing these matchups, but you know, it's always fun when you actually get to put into action so far, it seems to be doing a pretty good job of understanding which matchups look like they're going to be hard for a specific receiver as a reminder, the tool is using charting and coverage data provided to us by our, our stats provider, Sports Info Solutions. Uh, and I was able to kind of do some cool things in the tool to have it rate matchups for us. Uh, so it's a lot of fun breaking these down. The other things that I'm looking at, um, we'll talk some about as we're doing these episodes, are player-specific alignments. Uh, if you're looking at a particular offense, where their wide receivers are lining up, uh, you know, for defenses, which players are covered, covering, uh, you know, those different alignments. And then we can also do some drilling down and looking at when a certain wide receiver has been targeted while being covered by a certain uh, defender. So a lot of cool stuff that we can do. But before we actually get into the heart of today's episode here, uh, which is going through some of the players with the most favorable or, or unfavorable matchups. I want to take a, a quick second to step back here because uh, there's one other thing that I've included in the tool that I like to use. Um, and obviously, like we do with many things in fantasy football, right? There are many ways you can cut at understanding how difficult of a matchup a uh, defense presents to a player. But one of the things that I like to do, it's an easy way to conceptualize it, is look at, on a per-game basis, how many wide receivers or tight ends is a defense allowing to go over 
X points. So I think it's useful to know in a given on an average game, how many wide receivers does Houston let go over 10 plus points? And I can tell you that the answer to that is in an average game between weeks 15 to week 12, uh, excuse me, weeks 15 of last year to week two of this year, not including the playoffs, 1.7 wide receivers are going for 10 or more PPR points per game when they face Houston. It's a pretty useful, easy way to get an understanding of what a defense has been doing. Uh, and I look at 10 plus 15 plus and 20 plus. Now they don't always track across those thresholds, meaning that the team that allows the most 10 plus doesn't always allow the most 20 plus. Obviously there's a pretty high correlation, but it doesn't always hold. But because we're not going to cover every player here, um, you should definitely go check out the tool if you're if you're more interested in this. I'm going to read through some of the most difficult and easiest defenses for wide receivers to face thus far. So the easiest defenses for wide receivers in terms of 10 plus wide receiver, 10 plus wide receivers per game. You have Houston, Baltimore, Jacksonville, Indianapolis. Las Vegas. That's the top five, followed by Detroit, Atlanta, Tennessee, Dallas, and Washington. Uh, if we looked at the top 15, it's going to look pretty similar. Uh, one of the changes that you would see is you see Indy popping up towards the top of that list, still followed by Houston. Dallas is up there. Jacksonville, Detroit, many of the other teams that we've talked about. Baltimore slips to 10 in that view. Uh, but I think it's pretty clear that a lot of those teams I just mentioned are the ones that have been the most favorable. Now there have been some teams that are very, very stingy in allowing performances like this. Uh, at 22, you have Minnesota followed by Miami the chargers, Denver, Carolina Rams, Pittsburgh, green Bay, Cincinnati, the Jets and then Buffalo has been the most challenging, allowing just 0.6 wide receivers per game to go for 10 or more points. Uh, one of the things that you'll see if you look at tight ends and for tight ends, I look at my starting threshold of eight plus points uh, is that Baltimore has struggled there as well. They rank fourth. Detroit has really struggled in limiting wide or excuse me, tight ends with 1.2 tight ends per game going over eight points when facing the Lions, followed by the Chargers, who have been stronger against wide receivers, then Indy, Baltimore, Arizona, Washington, Jets, Giants, Minnesota, Miami. So if you're just thinking globally across both positions, the Lions, easy opponent, Colts, easy opponent, Ravens, easy opponent, Commanders, easy opponent for both of those positions. Teams that have been very difficult for opposing tight ends. Uh, you have Jacksonville, New England, Dallas, and San Francisco ranking 29 through 32, meaning they've been very difficult. The Rams, Falcons, Texans, Chiefs, and the Bills have also been difficult matchups for opposing tight ends. Now, another thing that uh, I have said in the tool but when you do this, you have to expand the range that you're looking back. You have to make sure you're pulling in a lot of games for this. Uh, is looking at the average 
PPR points, or actually in the tool, you can change what you're using. But for our purposes, we're going to talk PPR. You can look at, um, on average, when a top 48 wide receiver faces a particular defense, how many points they're scoring or a top 24 tight end. Uh, you just have to be careful if you're using a small game range. It might be possible that they've only faced one or two uh, players that fall into those buckets. All right. So that gives us a little bit of background on the teams that have been easier matchups. Let's actually go now and start looking at some of the specific player versus defensive matchups for the week. I'm going to be looking at weeks 15 of 2021 to week two of 2022, not including the playoffs. Let's start at wide receiver. Uh, We're only going to include wide receivers averaging six or more points per game. If we do that, we see that Jacoby Myers with a rating of 67 has the most favorable matchup of the week. Now, as a reminder, uh, this is telling us that given players that are deployed in the way that Jacoby Myers is, so they're very often in the slot when they're facing, um, excuse me, it's looking at that alignment and then it's looking at how wide receivers that use his alignment tendencies have fared against the defense that he is facing, which in this week is Baltimore, who we talked about being a pretty favorable matchup for opposing wide receivers. So this is all built off of the um, coverage and charting data that we get provided to us by Sports Info Solutions. So we've been able to do some really cool stuff with it behind the scenes in this tool. Um, as I mentioned, Jacoby Myers operates very heavily out of the slot. 36% of the time he's in the left slot, 41% of routes. He's in the right slot, uh, lined up out wide, just 17% of the time. And if you look at him versus some of the other players in new England's offense, from a percentage standpoint, uh, the other player that spends the most time in the slot would be Kendrick Bourne, but he's only around 66, excuse me, 60% versus Myers uh, percentage um, of 77. So players that Myers is going to see this weekend, he's probably going to see some coverage from Marlon Humphrey, uh, from Demarion Williams, might occasionally get a linebacker on him. Um, I know from looking through the target explorer before, I don't have enough of a sample for it to make sense for us to talk about specific targets that he's seen versus those players. But I can tell you, um, if you were to look at how Baltimore has been faring against slot wide receivers or really any receivers for that matter, it hasn't been great. So it's no surprise that also scoring very highly uh, you have Nelson Aguilar, Devontae Parker, and Kendrick Bourne all scoring inside the top 10. Now, I had said that Myers has a matchup rating this week of a 67. As a reminder, the way that the matchup rating works is it's scaled from 0 to 100, where a 100 would represent um, what would be the absolute best matchup that you could reasonably expect to see in a season. Um, so over the course of the year, we'll only see a handful of players getting into the nineties. Most weeks, the best player might get up to around an 80. Um, and, and that's useful because if you're somebody that plays DFS, you might see in a given week player X 
has what looks to be a very favorable matchup. But if you keep in mind that it's out of 100 in a given week, if the best matchups is 67, maybe there's not that many players that you're going to feel very confident about if you are just looking for favorable matchups. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. So Jerry Judy, uh, unclear exactly what his health is going to look like, but he gets a favorable matchup with Denver Michael Pittman Jr., I think this one's notable. Uh, with a 63, he ranks third among wide receivers this week. We saw that offense really, really struggle last weekend. Now they're going to be in a game with the Chiefs where they're probably going to be, uh, you know, my, my Jonathan Taylor teams don't like this, but probably going to be forced to pass. So when Pittman is getting these targets that should be coming his way, he should be able to do pretty well with them. So Pittman should have a pretty solid game against the Chiefs. Uh, Cooper Cup and Justin Jefferson both rank high. Of course, they're probably going to smash anyway. A player that I think is worth looking at quickly here is Tyler Boyd. And uh, to refresh my mind, let's look at what Tyler Boyd's GLSP looked like this week. Um, in comparison to all players, we see Boyd coming in. It looks like it's in, yeah, uh, wide receiver three fringe wide receiver three territory. The matchup does look pretty favorable for him. 
if you look at the alignments that the Bengals use, you'll see that by and large, Boyd is the most heavily utilized player out of the slot. He runs approximately, I believe it's over 80. I'm pulling this up right now. Yeah, more than 80% of his routes, uh, 89% to be exact, come from the slot. Um, 41% for Higgins, 32% for Chase. So you're going to see a lot of coverage this week uh, for Tyler Boyd against players like Michael Carter too. Uh, Yep, just a reminder, they have a DB um, in New York, Michael Carter, not just the running back. Uh, Sauce Gardner might be in the mix. Um, You could see a couple other players there as well. And honestly, if you looked at them individually, those players, uh, you're going to see that none of them allow a tremendous amount of points per game on direct targets. But as a unit, their coverage against players from the slot hasn't been that great. Uh, So looks like a good spot for Tyler Boyd. If Keenan Allen returns, pretty favorable matchup for him versus Jacksonville. Greg Dortch, who we talked about earlier in the week and trying to go and get him off uh, the waiver wire. His matchup sets up very nicely with the Rams. Just to give you a little bit more background on Dorch at this point and how Arizona has been using him. You see Dorch lining up in the slot uh, 39% of the time on the left, 47% on the right. So he's definitely drawing a lot of targets uh, from the slot and operating uh, in some high leverage situations for Arizona. And if you look at the coverage that he might see from the Rams, and one of the things we talked about earlier in the year is even if a team has a couple of good players, that does not necessarily mean that it's going to slow down uh, wide receivers, right? Uh, Dorch probably not going to see that much coverage from Jalen Ramsey with the way that the Rams use uh, their defensive players. But I think that um, outside of Ramsey, I'm not sure that there's any names that people would be particularly worried about, but they also have players that have been, uh, you know, fairly forgiving against players operating out of the slot. Um, Also, just to kind of highlight, if you didn't listen last episode, sometimes players that are perceived to be very good get asked to do a lot by their defense, so they still end up giving a fair amount of points up uh, per game. I know Jalen Ramsey has been slipping, but in comparison to other players on his team, you have a guy like Darius Williams, who had been at 5.5 points allowed per game on direct targets. Jalen Ramsey is at 9.1. The other thing that we talked about last week that I highlighted was, um, and you know, Williams was just in the list that I was looking at. I think he's on Jacksonville now. So, so sorry about that. But um, one of the things that I highlighted was that players receivers get are getting moved all over the field now. Uh, and it's, it's, it's not as common as it used to be that you have one single defender following them the entire game. Um, there's many wide receivers who will draw fairly equal coverage for maybe three of the teams 
defensive backs across a game. So that's something to to keep in mind as you try to make sense of these. Back up to the ratings. Um, Allen Robinson has a decent matchup. Uh, Mikkel Hardman uh, gets the 19th strongest. But let's let's look now at some of the players with harder matchups. So DJ Chark against Minnesota scores a very low this week. Just kind of disappointing because that first game of the year, Chark got in the end zone. I think he had around 13 fantasy points. Really struggled in week two. Not looking like week three is going to be that great for him. Interestingly enough, in the GLSP, which is employing a very different process, we see Chark scoring pretty poorly this week as well compared to what some of his managers might hope for. Actually, uh, as I pull it up, I apologize. Um, it has a better better outlook uh, on on Chark than I had than I had remembered. Actually, he's slated for around twelve point five points in an average game. So for him, that's really not that bad of an outing. Um, just to touch upon that though, the GLSP is different in that it is looking at average stats that players accumulate and how defenses have faced have fared when facing players with those particular type of stats. Um, what we're doing with the rating tool is a little bit different. We're looking at alignments versus coverages and seeing how players have fared when operating out of those alignments against coverages from the defense. So it's fine that those two things don't tell the same story. We just have more data points that we can use, try to figure out given that context in a week, and maybe we look at a couple of other inputs, which way we want to lean. Um, other players with difficult matchups, CD lamb, rough matchup with the giants. Uh, you also have McLaurin, Gabe Davis, Brandon cooks, Drake, London, um, as players with unfavorable matchups this week. Let's quickly look at tight ends. I will filter out wide receivers from my listing. Again, we see a Patriots player, and I'm actually going to be at the at the game uh, this Sunday going with my brother. Um, we go to a couple games a year, so hopefully this, this turns into a good one. Uh, I'm excited about it. And Hunter Henry should be too. He's got a matchup rating of 79 this week. As we talked about, uh, Baltimore has been forgiving to opposing tight ends. By and large, the best rating of the week. Evan Ingram comes in at 62, far behind versus the Chargers. Dallas Goddard and Tyler Conklin, who I think is notable, um, also scoring well. Actually, among tight ends this week, it's going to be a pretty good week, I think, for Conklin. He scores really strongly in the GLSP, in the top six, I believe. This is seeing it as a good matchup for him. Uh, maybe a play you get in on uh, some of those DFS rosters that you have. So those are players with the good matchups among tight ends. Logan Thomas, Dawson Knox, Mark Andrews, not... Um, Drawing favorable matchups this week. And oh boy, Kyle Pitts, a matchup rating of 32, which ties him 
uh, for the second most unfavorable matchup among week three tight ends. Yeah. Um, not what you want to see for a player that has already struggled. As we had talked about, the and the Seahawks are the team that he is facing. If you look at tight ends going 12 plus per game, man, um, Seattle allowing just point two, ranking in the bottom quartile. And from a GLSP perspective, because I think it's worth looking at to try to get more of the full outlook here of what things could look like for Pitts. Not great. He falls outside of the top 15, actually is the tight end 17, projected for just six and a half points. It could be another rough week for the albeit very talented, uh, but not really producing player at this point. So hopefully Arthur Smith makes it a priority, figures out how to get Pitts involved, because at this point, it's been a waste of talent through two games. I am, you know, I think we already talked about it this week. I'm not fully panicking on Pitts, but um, I think we can rule out the possibility of him justifying where you would have taken him if he's on your teams. So that takes us through the ratings for this week. Uh, in my article, there'll be more detail uh, uh, among some of maybe the specific matchups that you'll see in terms of uh, defensive player covering a particular wide receiver. A little bit more breakdown of historically some of these matchups and a little bit more detail to help us determine uh, how we should place these ratings into context. So let's hope uh, that we all have really good weekends. I'm going to work on that article. Hopefully we have a good game going on right now between Pittsburgh and Cleveland, and we all crush our games this weekend, and we will talk to you on Tuesday morning. Thank you for listening to the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Show. Send us questions at rvffshow at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at DaveCabinFF and at CPatrickNFL. Leave us a voicemail at 978-615-9214, and make sure to rate, review, and subscribe.